Welcome to People and Profit. I'm Kate Moody. Coming up, Russia's invasion of Ukraine one year ago has devastated the country and upset the fragile recovery of the region's economy. We'll look at the price of rebuilding Ukraine and the impact on its neighbors. An unexpected energy crisis, looking back at how the war jeopardized Europe's power supplies and its plans for the future. And the ripple effect. The conflict has had repercussions on economies around the world. Our correspondents in Egypt report on the inflation crisis there. On February 24th, 2022, Russian troops invaded Ukraine. Despite some predictions of a short conflict, the violence has dragged on for a year. Hundreds of thousands of people have died, both civilian and military, and millions have been displaced, while many Ukrainian cities and infrastructure have been leveled. Western nations and international organizations have sent Kyiv tens of billions of euros worth of military, humanitarian and financial aid. On a surprise visit to Ukraine just days before the one-year anniversary, U.S. President Joe Biden vowed to keep up that support. Freedom is priceless. It's worth fighting for for as long as it takes. And that's how long we're going to be with you, Mr. President, for as long as it takes. We'll do it. Thank you. Let's speak now to Beata Javorczyk, Chief Economist at the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development. Thanks for joining us today. The human toll of a year of war is incalculable. Can we, though, put a figure on the scale of destruction in Ukraine over the last 12 months? Last summer, the World Bank and the European Commission, together with Ukrainian authorities, put the cost of reconstruction at 350 billion euros. Of course, since then, we've seen huge destruction of vital infrastructure. So as of today, this bill is going to be even higher. When we talk about billions of euros worth of aid for Ukraine, where exactly is that money going? The EBRD, my institution, deployed 1.7 billion euros last year. We help to keep the trains running. We help to keep the lights on through our funding of emergency repairs of the electric grid. We also finance emergency purchases of natural gas so that houses could have heating uh, during the winter. And of course, we supported also international trade imports of spare parts and pharmaceuticals. When we look ahead to when Ukraine might be able to start rebuilding. Um, we know that President Zelensky has a lot of different challenges, the war taking first, taking first position, but he's also trying to combat things like corruption within Ukraine. What do we know about how his government is doing on that, on that end? Well, it is quite impressive uh, that the government, which is fighting war, is still managing to keep their eyes on the long-term challenges and long-term goals, such as combating corruption. Because three things are going to be needed for reconstruction of Ukraine. Some sort of stable solution to the conflict, improvements uh, to institutions, and money. Money is going to be there because the international community stands ready to help. Uh, institutional improvement will be stimulated by the prospect of EU accession. So the stable peace is going to be the most challenging part. 
Let's turn to Russia for a little bit. The latest EBRD uh, report says that its economy contracted about 3.5% last year. It's forecasting a further 3% contraction this year. Is the Russian economy proving more resilient than you might have expected a year ago? Sanctions are taking the toll on the Russian economy. Russia is deprived of imports of technology embodied in capital goods. Many foreign companies have exited the country, thus depriving Russia of the knowledge that flows through activities of multinational enterprises. All of these effects will have a cumulative impact, but they are not visible in aggregate statistics just yet. Can you give us an idea of how Russian households are coping throughout all of this? Well, certainly a 3% decline in GDP is being severely felt by households. And over the years, Russia has, Russian authorities rather, have prioritized macroeconomic stability over economic growth. And that means that in real terms, the standard of living of Russian households has been deteriorating prior to the war. And the war certainly has further lowered the standard of living and deprived uh, Russians of imported goods. Talk us through the impact of the war on other economies within the region. Well, 2023 is going to be a challenging year for emerging Europe. High gas prices are going to erode further competitiveness of the region. Even though the prices of natural gas have come down since the peaks we observed a few months ago, they are still several times as high as prices in the US, for instance. Now, these high energy prices fueled inflation that eroded real wages and purchasing power of consumers. And uncertainty is going to uh, be detrimental to investment. So in other words, we are going to see growth that is way below uh, what would be expected under normal circumstances. We're one year on from Russia's initial invasion of Ukraine. The landscape has changed entirely there. We hear President Zelensky calling for still more military aid. If you look forward a little bit, say, for the next 12 months, what is the most urgent priority for your institution when it comes to supporting Ukraine? Well, President Zelensky asked our president, Odile Renaud-Basso, to help the country make it through the winter. And this has been our main priority, to make living conditions as bearable as possible for the Ukrainian population so that Ukraine avoids another wave of refugees. Because avoiding a massive exodus of people means that when the time for reconstruction comes, Ukraine will have more human capital. And human capital will be absolutely necessary for the phase of rebuilding. Beata Yavorczyk, thank you so much for joining us today. While many economies around the world were already struggling with high energy costs post-pandemic, and the war sent prices further skyrocketing. That's partly because Russia was a major producer of oil and natural gas, especially to the European Union. Before the invasion, the EU relied on Russia for about 45% of its natural gas imports and a third of its crude oil. As Russia reduced supplies and the EU looked for alternatives, the benchmark price for European natural gas soared 
briefly topping 300 euros per megawatt hour in August. Wholesale prices have since settled closer to pre-invasion levels, but energy bills remain high for households and businesses. In January, I spoke to EU Commission President Ursula von der Leyen about the bloc's efforts to end that dependence and look for alternative energy sources. It was hard work last year um, to push back on the Russian blackmail, but we managed and we were successful. And it was a joint effort and a joint success. Um, so we remember very vividly that at the beginning of uh, Russia's war, we were heavily dependent on Russian fossil fuels. At the beginning, everybody was scared that we we're going to have blackouts, but we got our act together. We diversified a way to trusted partner like the United States, like Norway, for example. We reduced, we saved energy, reduced our demand by 20%. We filled our storages and we invested heavily in renewable energy. Rising energy costs and disrupted supply chains in the wake of the invasion contributed to a spike in overall inflation in many parts of the world. In Egypt, for example, the cost of living has spiraled, partly because it used to buy so much wheat from Russia and Ukraine. In January, consumer goods cost some 25% more than a year earlier. Our correspondents in Cairo sent this report. Saida Zainab, a working-class district in the center of Cairo. In the last year, the price of food has risen by over 48%. To feed her family, all Magda has to rely on is her husband's small pension, the equivalent of 90 euros. What can we do with 90 euros for eight people? Everything is more expensive. Prices have exploded. Chicken costs three euros now. I don't buy meat anymore. It's not just in the poorer areas that consumption habits have changed. Since the beginning of the war in Ukraine, this boss of a higher-end supermarket chain has seen clear evidence of shifting habits. That started with the uh, start of the pickup of the inflation, which started in uh, essentially in March 2022 with the weakening of the Egyptian pound. So the changes among the changes that we have seen is that people are now geared more towards uh, local items as opposed to imported products. And they're also buying uh, a lot more below premium items as opposed to uh, premium items. Egypt, as the world's largest importer of wheat from Russia and Ukraine, has been hit hard by the war. Over the same period, three successive currency devaluations have pushed purchasing power lower still. We definitely have, uh, with the decline in, in real income, uh, because of the depreciation of high, high, high inflation, etc., uh, that um, it, it will impact the middle classes more generally, and of course the poor. Even before the crisis, a third of Egypt's 110 million inhabitants lived below the poverty line. The longer the war in Ukraine lasts, the more uncertain their future becomes. That's all for now. Don't forget you can find this and our previous shows on the France 24 website or as a podcast wherever you usually listen. You can also get in touch with your comments and questions on social media. Until next time, thanks for watching. But I'm calling for the defense of Ukraine, not for jihad, because Ukraine is a secular country. They are Ukrainian and Muslim, mostly Tatars from the Crimea. Faced with the Russian invasion, they're fighting on every front.
Though they make up only 1% of the population, many are involved in the war. Before, Muslims were accused of being terrorists, but now society has become more mature. Other Muslims are fighting alongside them, Chechen refugees. I'll never forgive the Russians for what they have done in my country. I think that Europe and the entire world have now understood who the real terrorists are. Watch Reporters, Ukraine, Muslims on the front line, on France 24 and France24.com.